Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady back. It's Cray News with Kay on a Monday. Kay Smythe. Kay, how are you? Good to see you. I'm great, Joe. How are you? It's a Cray Monday. I'm just going to warn you already. It is an absolutely crazy Monday. Well, these stories that you sent me that you've written for the Daily Caller are are nutsy cuckoo for sure. Uh, check out Kay over on Newsmax. She's on all the time now. It's a Saturday thing now, right? You moved it to Saturday. Saturday and Sunday. Both. So you can get wow. both days. Holy mackerel. Okay. So do that, but you get Cray News usually on a Monday, although last week was on a Thursday, and uh, read everything she writes in the Daily Caller. Yeah, let's get into these crazy stories because um, everybody but everybody knows financially we're in dire straits. Really bad condition. I think the, the uh, uh, inflation rate was 8.2 for months and months. It's now mm-hmm. improved to 7 point something, which still sucks with a capital suck. So um, the New York Times, the, the, the newspaper of record, the old gray lady, she's obviously singing the same tune, right? I mean, financially, we're in ruins. Uh, no, the New York Times, as I put in the literal headline of my article, they're just a bunch of idiots. They're just a bunch <laughs> of Libby idiots. No, they're like, oh, we don't really know what's going on with the economy because, like, with the pandemic, all of the models have been thrown out. Shut up. We know exactly what's going on with the economy. It's about to have its legs cut out from underneath it. That is absolutely 100% going to happen. We're already in the midst of like sort of the start of the crash. We're seeing housing prices come down. We're seeing houses not selling. Um, We're seeing, well, okay, so I said this actually on Newsmax yesterday, Joe. Yeah. I went to the Food Lion around the corner from me here in North Carolina um, to get some stuff for my mother-in-law. So I was getting uh, 18 eggs and a 12-pack of Pepsi, and it came to $15. For 18 eggs and a 12-pack? Mm-hmm. Now, normally, I mean, that would normally be 10 or less, wouldn't it? Uh, when I was going to the supermarket, the bougie supermarket that I used to go to in Los <laughs> Angeles called Erewhon, um, I was buying, I don't think it was Pepsi, but it was like bubbly or one of, you know, those like bougie equivalent yeah. type things. They didn't sell Pepsi. Um, I would be paying maybe $8 yeah. for 18 eggs and that. And that is in a place where they sell octopus salad for like $25 right. for like a tiny little bit of octopus and fennel. So, you know, it's it's starvation level cost of living. But, but, what's, but what's the game? What is, what is the game? The New York Times knows that we know that what they're saying is untrue. So who are they 
making feel good about this? Does the Biden administration somehow have a connection with them like they've had through the FBI for years with, with Twitter? Are they saying you must make this look good somehow? And somebody, but somebody's going to under, because the New York Times, I believe, tell me if you think if you agree with this. They don't write for you and me. The no. New York Times writes for the networks. They write, then the network says, the New York Times says, financially we're in better shape than it seems, and then they put it out to their consumers. Do I have it right? Kind of. I actually think that the networks and the New York Times and, I mean, Joe, everyone's called me a conspiracy theorist for years, but it was blatantly obvious to me that there were alphabet agencies engaging in Twitter and Facebook and all of these other social media platforms. Proven absolutely right. Proven to be absolutely correct. Absolutely. So, no, I think the New York Times is just another propaganda wing for whoever uh, runs these alphabet agencies. And those alphabet agencies also run the White House or they're at least I think, you know, I was listening to Tucker Carlson's monologue on this. Like they actually don't believe in democracy. It's it's a powerful group of individuals whose names we probably don't know who just perpetuate this stuff. I think with the New York Times, it comes from more of a place of like, Okay, well, let's not freak people out before Christmas because massive job layoffs are coming. This crash is going to be long and ugly, just like um, expert like financial. uh, I I would call him a guru. This guy, Nuriel Rabini. I follow a lot of his work. He's been predicting this recession for months. I predicted it on Dr. Drew's old radio show back in L.A. Right. Right. Actually, at the start of the pandemic. Right. Um, I also talked about it on Newsmax, I think on my first ever Sunday debate, uh, it was either late last year or early this year. Um, we've got people like Michael Burry, who everyone knows from the big short Christian Bale played his character. He completely predicted and was the big short, short guy for the last major financial crash. All of these experts and then people like the guy who runs BlackRock, everyone's like, no guys. It's going to be massive supply chain shortages. It's going to be like starvation level prices on food if the food can even get to the shelves. Like I was texting one of my friends this morning. I was like, dude, have you got like a separate spare freezer at home? He's like, yeah, why? And I was like, go to Costco today and buy absolutely everything you can buy like a year's supply of food. I recommend everyone go out and do that this week. They are holding they are stopping this crash from happening before Christmas purely because they can. And because actually I do think in this one short instance, it is kind of a nice thing to do because I don't know if people will be able to eat by next Christmas. That's how bad this recession is going to be. And the New York Times is just gaslighting the American public into thinking everything's okay. And then you have idiots like Ellis Hennigan who come on Newsmax and try to debate me and also tell me that everything's okay. When everything's not okay, Joe, everything is not okay. I'm with you. I hope that the dire predictions that you're making are wrong, although I think that you're on the right track. Now, I'm going to go back to what I originally was uh, was sort of trying to infer or or suggest. Maybe you were inferring it. Um, But but we didn't agree, but I think we do, and here's why. By the way, K-Smythe, go to ksmythe.com. Smythe has an E at the end because she's very, very British. Although she's Welsh, not British. Either way, um, <laughs> what what I'm saying is, even if the the networks collude with the New York Times to put the story out there, and even if the alphabet agencies, FBI, C, CIA, NSA, whomever, even if they're feeding the New York Times what to say and what to do, I think the networks and the Times work together. But the networks need the Times to say, well, we're attributing it to them. We're not saying it; they're saying no. it. And the New York Times, I think. 
Uh, I think that or the Washington Post, they're the cover for the networks. The networks say, well, we didn't come up with this. Go talk to the Times when it turns out to be untrue or when it turns out to be true. This, of course, is untrue. Everything you've said is absolutely correct, although maybe more dire than I would hope. But do you agree that the alphabet agencies get together with the New York Times, who get together with the with the networks, they all they all collude together to make the narrative, and then there's a segment of our population that will buy it? I think you have not only hit the nail on the head, but I hope in the future, Joe, when if if entertainment still exists, that remains to be seen. Energy rationing, that's also gonna be coming next year. Yep. I was I said that first on your show right. back in I think like late October, early November. But Joe, the way that you succinctly describe that, I want it to be the almost like the the memo, the one thing that comes up in every single future conversation or docu-series or documentary about this moment in history and the amount of corruption that's being unveiled. Like we all knew that the world was corrupt, but we're actually getting sort of like receipts on it now. But you are absolutely spot on. I had not thought about it in that, that way. Because that's exactly how it works, right? Like the print media, you know, for the few people who still read, we essentially exist to support the networks. That's all we really do. Like, I, it devastates me because, like, so many of my colleagues do such incredible investigative work. And I wish that it would reach people as, you know, written news media used to. Right. But no, I think I think you're spot on. I think that was a really brilliantly put. I, I, yeah. I'm every shut up for a every that was every great. once every once in a while, you know, a, a blind squirrel finds a nut, and I think I just nailed one. <laughs> um, it is Case Smythe. Uh, you you check her out on Newsmax TV. You see her here on my program once a week, at least, if not more. And also uh, writes great stories in the Daily Caller. I want to move on to the most dramatic podcast um, in, in a second, but I just want to I want to make a statement. And if you want to comment on it, that's cool. The original founders, those who wrote the Federalist Papers, those who wrote the Constitution, made the freedom of the press. In the, in the First Amendment of the Constitution for one reason, to keep government in check. It was never supposed to work with government. It was always supposed to be skeptical of government, always supposed to question government, and always supposed to expose government and government corruption to we the people. They aren't that anymore, are they, Kay? I mean, at this point, no. they just are one and the same, save for people like you and me, save for maybe a Newsmax and a Fox, occasionally. Um, certainly during Tucker's hour, that definitely are, are skeptical. But that was the original intent, and I think most Americans have no clue that what I just said is true. I think you absolutely nailed it again. It's 100% true. This is why, like, Joe, people, I, I don't go into it that often, but I've been a published journalist for almost 20 years. I was first ever published when I was 11 years old back in the UK. I've been in journalism my whole life and I'm not even a journalist. I'm just a writer. I'm not a journalist. And I think I think in many ways you're more journalist than most that call themselves that today. But go on. That's sweet of you. Yeah, it's very Gonzo style, very like Hunter S. Thompson. We're here right now. Let's talk about it. That's that's very much my more my vibe. But um. I started working with The Daily Caller about 18 months ago, and it was because I met Jeffrey Ingersoll, my editor-in-chief or my managing editor, and then Neil Patel, the founder. Like, first things first, no one ever talks about this. Daily Caller is a minority-owned, one of the number one minority employers in, I think it is actually the number one employer of minorities and immigrants in all of news media. And that 
I don't know if that like plays into the way that we generate the information we share. Um, but the culture there is very much one of don't believe anything until it's proven to you. And we're going to point fingers and ask questions. And we're not going to ask for any type of forgiveness for the questions that we're asking. Like Corinne Jean-Pierre absolutely lost her mind at our White House correspondent around Thanksgiving. Like this clip went viral because we do like that's what we do at the Daily Caller. We sit there and we shout and we say this is not okay. Like we need to actually pay attention to what's going on in the world and report on it. And I've worked for a lot of different news outlets. I've um, interviewed for many different news outlets on both sides of the political spectrum and the ones that are straight down the middle. I I know with like a hand on my heart, there is not a single other news outlet I would ever work with in the same way that I work at the caller purely because there is so much manipulation that goes on right. behind the scenes pretty much everywhere else except for, yeah, with you, Newsmax. And I mean, to be honest with you, like, I mean, don't ever read the BBC or anything like that. I mean, you want to talk about propaganda machine. I think that's way worse than the New York Times. Well, the well, it's, it's, it's funny anyway. that you bring up the BBC because I was on, as you know, BBC Radio 5 uh, probably almost a year ago now. And they wanted to challenge me on my thoughts about the Second Amendment. I had just posted something on Twitter. It was 3 a.m. my time. They said, can you jump on BBC Radio right now? I said, let's go. And the entire... 15 minutes was them trying to get me to admit that the Second Amendment is bad and has to be has to be deleted. And the, the way that I shut her up with her beautiful accent was um, I said, if we didn't have the Second Amendment, my accent would be much like yours. And there was silence. She didn't know what to do with that. And I said, yeah, she's you, an idiot. you think it's about shooting deer and going target practice. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do yeah. with stopping King George III from doing it ever again or somebody like him. It's Case Smythe, uh, S-M-Y-T-H-E. Go and follow her. Read everything she does in the caller. I don't want to not get to this. The most dramatic podcast is launching soon. That's what he's calling it. Is this the guy that was going to do Jeopardy and got, got canned for that? Who is this? No, this is Chris. Harrison from The Bachelor. Oh, franchise. that guy. Right, right, right. Chris What's Harrison, going on here? Hands down, the only reason that I ever used to watch The Bachelor was because of Chris. Never like, watched, he was the voice I never watched of even, reason. Never watched even one episode, but I've seen him on shows, and I like the guy, and I was stunned that he was squeezed out because what, what, a participant did something in her past and he knew about it but didn't do it. Is that what it was? No. I forget. No, so basically one of the girls that won um, this guy called Matt's season, okay. he was the first black bachelor, I okay. believe. Um, so the woman, Rachel, who won it, and they're still together to this day, um, she, when she was in university, went to a party hosted by her sorority right. that during that massive woke cancel culture movement that you might remember was sort of at the tail end of it now because everyone realizes that if you want to just have no money or anything, go woke. Um, <laughs> so she, a picture surfaced of her at one of these like university parties or college parties and everyone was like, oh, that's a plantation-style party. And I'm like, it right. literally just looks like a garden party in the South. But, but, why, did, but was... why did Harrison get in trouble for that? Well, here's the thing. He went on a podcast of the first female black bachelorette, um, and she said it was an antebellum-themed party. And I, like, personally, I was just like, I don't even know what that is. And I don't think anyone knew what it was at that time. Um, and I think it's like because of the time period, 
it's associated so heavily with slavery. Obviously, they shouldn't have called it that as like a theme party. Well, Interbellum, I think. I think university. And it was some, anyway, I'm not trying to justify her actions. No, 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 no. I, 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 I get it. I just want to stop you there if you don't mind, because those watching and listening, Antebellum, I believe, just stands for the South in the Civil War times. And, and uh, that's why Lady Antebellum uh, changed their name to Lady A, which is so stupid. I'm like, what does the A stand for, um, the, the, the country group? There's nothing inherently racist about saying the word Antebellum, but you're right that because it was the woke days of America, we had to get rid of anything that made any reference to anything that made anybody uh, uncomfortable or offended. And it was stupid. So Harrison's on the podcast. I'm sorry. I just wanted to let those watching and listening to know that antebellum, I think, actually literally means after the Civil War or the South after the Civil War. I, I could be wrong about that, but that's the, the reference that it makes. And people freaked yeah. out for no reason. So what did he do? He goes on the podcast. Well, he goes on the podcast and like the incredible man, father, leader, godlike human he is. I, I'm just I, I can't stress this enough. It's like I, I, I love Chris Harrison. Um, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let us not rush to attack this girl. She hasn't even had a chance to reply. Give her a little bit of grace. Give her a little bit of understanding, which is like what any good human being would do. I mean, you know, if one of like, even if one of like my close friends like came home and was like, I'm about to be arrested because I murdered someone, I wouldn't immediately go, oh my God, how dare you? I would go, wait, let's sit down and talk about this for a minute because yeah, clearly you've done something wrong, but right. like, let's let's give it a sex. I want to hear you out here. Yeah. So that's what he did. He got canceled. He got canned from The Bachelor. His life has been amazing ever since. He's been married to the, like, he fell in love and found the love of his life, got married, is sort of having his own, his own happily ever after. Um, the show has absolutely tanked. I was about to swear because it's gotten that bad, but I caught <laughs> myself. Good. Um, I, it's literally unwatchable now, and it's a shame because the new host isn't that bad. It's just, I, I have to go. He's doing the most dramatic podcast. It's called the most dramatic podcast ever. Hit, it? it comes out in January, and I'm I'm really excited, Joe. I have no idea even what it's going to be about, but I'm hoping that they'll go over everything that went on at the Bachelor. We'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll see. I'm just, here for it. Just to correct myself, uh, antebellum means before the war, not after the war. It means before oh, the war. Okay. Well, and then, and it's, it's not it's not even a slavery or or racist uh, um, um, reference. It just literally yeah. means the time before a war. Most no, most notably, people use it for the Civil War. Okay, we got to go. I appreciate you more than you know, and thank you for coming on. Great conversation as always. Go to casemites.com, check out on the Daily Caller and on Newsmax. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs> We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I appreciate you hanging out. Thanks a lot. Just about out of time. We'll do quick pop culture. 
Okay, I guess we're not going to do that. I'm going to do a little pop culture. Epic Games that owns uh, Fortnite has been sued, and I guess they owe over $500 million in a settlement because they allegedly misled kids. Now, that's a game that I like to play. If you're not familiar with Fortnite, it's a multi-billion dollar business, but over $500 million in a settlement. Got to go. That's Carrie. That's Sam. That's uh, that's Kurt in for Polo. I'm Joe. We'll see you. This is the Joe Pegg Show.